0: This episode of the GCSAA podcast is presented in partnership with Bayer, a company committed to providing technical expertise and innovative solutions that maximize turf quality and make superintendents' jobs easier. For more on the company and its offerings in the golf industry, visit environmentalscience.bear.us and look for the Turf and Ornamentals Management tab at the top of the page. As always, our thanks to Bayer for their long-running support of this podcast. Well here we are again. Time for another episode of the GCSAA Podcast, our 40th since we started this effort. I'm Scott Hollister, the editor in chief of Golf Course Management Magazine and your host for this podcast. And I appreciate you downloading and listening to this episode. Today we are going to dive into the future of the game and the subject of diversity in golf with Mr. Craig Kirby, who is the founder and CEO of golf my future my game which is a nonprofit foundation whose mission is to promote education and career development in golf among women millennials and communities of color craig is someone who has been active as in a number of diversity efforts in the game of golf including sitting on gcsaa's diversity equity and inclusion advisory council it's got a long track record of work in politics that includes a stint in the clinton white house and To top it all off, I can tell you from personal experience that he's a really funny, affable guy uh, who I really think you're going to enjoy listening to, and that is Greg Kirby, our guest on episode 40 of the GCSA podcast. Before we get going, a personal request from me to you to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. It really does help others with similar interests find us, so I would be most grateful If you could do that, you can also get access to all 39 previous episodes of the GCSAA podcast on all those same services, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google. So if you missed any of those episodes, including our most recent with 2022 GCSAA president, certified golf course superintendent, Kevin Green, you can always catch up by digging into our archives. So without further ado, let's go. This is episode 40 of the GCSA podcast with Craig Kirby. Hope you enjoy it. Okay, our guest today is Craig Kirby. Craig is the founder and CEO of Golf, My Future, My Game. That's pretty simplistic. I'm going to let you explain, Craig, as we go along uh, some of your background because you've got a very interesting background and I uh, don't want to pigeon- pigeonhole you with, with what is your current passion Um, But for those who don't know, uh, Golf My Future, My Game is a nonprofit foundation with a mission to kind of create alliances for education and career development in the game of golf, um, targeting women, millennials, communities of color, uh, other kind of underserved communities. And we'll obviously get much more into that. And Craig, I'll let you uh, talk about that. Uh, Long involvement with uh, diversity efforts in the game of golf, including a, a seat on GCSAA's Uh, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Advisory Council. We'll also talk about that. Craig's got a long, long history of public service and work in the uh, government, which is super interesting. And um, I I heard a story, Craig, and you'll have to confirm this or not. Are you also a TV star? Did you have any role with the Holy Moly uh, television show?
1: I am a TV star, Scott. (laughs) Yes, I did. I was very fortunate to be on season one. Of holy moly. And uh, I made quite a splash of <laughs> that.
0: Did, did you get to meet? Uh, that's a uh, Steph Curry uh, vehicle, isn't it?
1: It is. It is a Steph Curry vehicle. And um, I did have a chance to, to meet Steph. As a matter of fact, the holes they didn't show uh, was me and Steph playing. And I'll tell you what was really more interesting about that is that Steph's grandparents his grandfather in particular is from the same hometown that my grandparents. Oh, wow. Which is Rocky Mount, Virginia. So that was kind of cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Have you, and now, obviously, Steph's a, a huge golfer, as obviously his creation of this game. Um, mm-hmm. Have you been able to, have you connected with him any past that? I, he, would, he would be an awesome person to get involved in some of the things that you're really passionate about. Yeah. Uh,
1: so yes and no. Um, I will tell you, Steph, Steph. Steph. Excuse me. Was a huge contributor to the Howard University right uh, golf program, and it was interesting because we started working with Howard University about five years ago, and one of the young men in that program in our program is Otis Ferguson. Okay. Otis met step independently of me, but he was the one who convinced step to come to Howard. And because of that invitation, uh, step ended up contributing a lot of money.
0: Yeah.
1: Figures to the university. So now we all know Howard university has both a golf and women's team. Uh, the head coach is Sam Poirier. And the uh, head women's coach is Ar- Ariel Dawson. Okay, but it was just so it was really gratifying on my end, Scott, that two independent relationships that I had ended up meeting and look at what happened.
0: Yeah, yeah it's pretty amazing. And they are using—is Howard using Langston um, as a home course, or is that the the long term plan?
1: That's the long-term plan, yeah. correct? So the course is being renovated. Um, obviously, the National Links Trust, of which I'm a board member on, is working to renovate the three municipal courses here in DC, to include East Potomac Golf Links, uh, Langston, the historic Langston Golf Course, and then Rock Creek Golf Course.
0: Okay. So that's great. Yeah, that's it's it's. it's the the tentacles of the game of golf and how everything can can sort of interconnect maybe when you don't uh, when you least expect it it's uh, it's pretty amazing and so your 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 star turn on TV and your a uh, little uh, <laughs> bath you got to take on ABC <laughs> uh, exactly uh, leads leads to that so well let's uh, I want to uh, kind of start and, and have have you maybe tell your origin story uh, in the game of golf how you came came to the game how you got involved was it a was it a childhood thing and and do you have a a particular memory of like wow this is when the light bulb went off and this is where I realized man this is something I'm very passionate about and something that I'd like to be a part of my life um, going forward
1: well yes so I think one of the most fond memories of golf is being was being asked to play and I share that I grew up in Dayton Ohio And Scott, I literally would pass a golf course a minimum of twice a day going to and from school and other places. But I never thought about playing golf. I mean, my parents never talked to me about it. My teachers, my coaches, no one ever talked to me about golf. I mean, we talked about football and basketball, baseball, track, but that was it. And so, A, I didn't think to go to that golf course. B, I really didn't think I was supposed to go to the golf course. Right. And, you know, that if I had started playing in the fourth grade, uh, when I started playing football, i tell people all over the country, Tiger, look out, man. I would have come after you. <laughs> did,
0: did you have any, any mentors, any people that, that changed that? For you that, that kind of said, yeah, you know, this game is something for you, this game can be welcoming to you. Do, are there any people that influenced you uh, down that path?
1: You know, believe it or not, growing up and starting the foundation, the answer is no. Um, now, since I've been involved in the industry, I mean, I have mentors, Dr. Michael Cooper, um, a gentleman by the name of Jimmy Garvin, who is general manager of Rock Creek Golf Course here in Washington, D.C. Uh, LeJean Gould down in Georgia, who runs women in golf. Renee Powell, the illustrious right. Renee Powell. And then my, my two buddies, Jim Beatty and Mark Lowry. Um, we have something called the Brother Call in which Dr. Cooper, Jim, and Mark and I talk weekly. And that's just about how we're doing, how our collective group is doing, and how a lot of the community-based golf organizations are working. Um, I will tell you, Scott, the one person, though, that I consider the mentor of all mentors is a gentleman by the name of Steve Mona. Who was the former uh, CEO of the World Golf Foundation. You know, there was a conversation with Steve where I laid out what and how I wanted to do, and Steve gave me that opportunity. And so those have been my mentors uh, since, again, starting the foundation. But prior to, golf was just, it was foreign to me. I mean, it was as foreign as a foreign language.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well and, and Steve obviously a former CEO here at GCSAA. He was my uh, my first boss when I started uh many uh, many moons ago, twenty four uh, twenty four years uh now with the association.
1: Uh mm-hmm. a
0: great individual. He obviously set our association on a great path, did wonderful work uh for the uh World Golf Foundation, um and continues to be involved, although he's uh, I think uh Step back a little bit and was able to kick up his his feet uh, feet a bit. So when did you when did uh, when did you first start playing? Was it a was it a function? Of, was it something in high school? Was it a function of your your government work? How did you actually get your foot in the door in the game?
1: So I got my foot in the door. It was my sophomore year at undergrad at Albion College, and I was sitting in the living room of this house I lived in, and three guys three of my fraternity brothers, uh, they were walking down the stairs laughing and joking with each other. And as they were going out, they stopped and they looked at me and they said, Hey, Kirby, we're going to go play a round at golf. Would you like to join us? Scott, I looked at them and I must've had a look of like a deer with headlights. <laughs> it was literally frozen, but I was too embarrassed to tell them that I had never played golf. So I said, sure, let's go. And they went, okay, come on. I got up and <laughs> I just went with them and the car ride over to the golf course, they're laughing and joking, talking, etc. cetera. Man, I'm sitting in the back seat terrified because I'm saying to myself, what have I gotten myself into? We get out of the car, Probably about a 10 minute ride to the course. We get out of the car, we're at the course, and all of a sudden I look at them and I go, Hey, I don't have golf clubs, I, I guess I can't play. <laughs> and they said, Oh, Craig, don't worry about that. We got that taken care of. We'll rent you a set. And I went, Okay, and in my mind, I'm like, Dang. <laughs> so, you know, we get up to the first tee. And they go, okay, Craig, you're up. And I said, oh, no, 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 no way. I said, you've got to have brains go before beauty. I mean, (laughs) I just said some crazy stuff, Scott, because I had never, (laughs) ever held a golf club. And I watched the three of them tee off. And I mean, I was an athlete, so I had eye-hand coordination and that kind of stuff. But... I got up and I hit the ball and it probably went about 125 yards straight in the middle of the fairway. And they said, all right, good job. Let's go. So we played, we, we literally started playing. Um, I made it through all 18 holes and did not embarrass myself too much, <laughs> but I did well enough where they asked me if I wanted to come back and play. Again the following week. And I said, sure. So now you know I'm a I'm a experienced veteran. That's right. <laughs> well, that second time out on the course, and I'll never forget this, I was in the seventh fairway, and another buddy walks up to me. Well, he runs over and he's like, Kirby, Kirby, man, I didn't know you played golf. And I went, Yeah, I've been playing for a minute. (laughs) And he goes, wow. He says, well, what are you doing this summer? And I looked at him and I said, Mark, I don't know why. He goes, well, how would you like to work on a cruise ship? I looked at him and I said, what? He (laughs) goes, yeah, my dad just brought interest in this cruise line. And I figured if you liked golf, you'd like the water. (laughs) <laughs> so I, I looked at him and I said what kind of mess is this I mean okay so I said okay Mark what do I have to do and he goes just give me a resume tomorrow so I had not had a resume I didn't even know what a resume was I mean I'm a sophomore in undergrad and when I get back to the campus I go to the library I uh, remember the Dewey Decimal System oh yeah certainly I went to the Dewey Decimal System to look at where I would find what a resume looked like, picked up the book, made a copy, came back to my room that night, type, typed up my resume, gave it to him. The next day, he's like, okay, thanks. And he, like, folds it. And I said, Mark, uh-uh. I said, you got to pay attention to this. I said, it took me all night to type this thing. Yeah. <laughs> so then he goes, all right, this is great. He goes, listen, And a couple of weeks, my dad is having dinner for one of his friends. Can you come? Because the HR director is going to be there, and I'd like to introduce the two of you. Long story short, yes, I go to the dinner. The dinner was in Grand Rapids, Michigan. At the dinner, I see all these guys with these earpieces in their ears. And I look at Mark, I go, Mark, I said, who are these dudes? He was oh, it's the U S secret service. I went, oh, okay. I said, well, why are they here? And he goes, well, they're here for my dad's friend. And I go, Mark, who the hell is your dad's friend? And he goes, well, it's the former president of the United States, Gerald Ford. And I go, what? So I sit, I have dinner. I'm talking to the HR director who I did not know was the HR director. Bottom line, Scott, a month later, I was the maitre d on a cruise line. Wow. A cruise ship. All right. And so I just that's how I got involved with golf and bam. Yeah,
0: just instantly the the kind of connections that are made and the transactions that take place on the golf course that people just sort of understand. You you have that in your second time on the uh, on the you got a taste of that on your second time in there. So that's a that's pretty amazing. Well, and that, that's a, a good transition. You talked about the, the, the former president, um, and you spent time in the White House. You, you graduated with a uh, communications and political science degree. Is that uh, correct? I did. So clearly, you had a uh, political science, you had an interest uh, in that. Um, did you always want to get into government work? Was, um, how, did, how did that all start for you?
1: Well, you know, I always wanted to get involved in politics. And politics, though, the government is different than the government, right. we all know. But I um, ran for president of our student senate when I was a freshman, and I surprised everybody and won. And when I sat back and realized the difference that I could make in the lives of my student colleagues, I said, you know, I kind of like this political stuff. So I ran was reelected, and then I ran for president of the American Student Association, which represents many of your colleges and universities across the country. And winning that election is what brought me to Washington DC back in 1984. Then while here, I also worked with um, Senator Gary Hart as an intern from Colorado. And I worked for Common Cause, which was a legislative advocacy group. You know, I I graduated from undergrad and then my big break came and that while I was here that fall, I just happened to run into the chief of staff for Reverend Jesse Jackson at an uncle's holiday party. And we talked for maybe 13 seconds or so, but it was long enough where she said, hey, you know what, I'm going to keep in touch with you. And I went, "Okay," not thinking anything about it. Right. Graduate, then in May of 85, I get a call from my uncle who says, Hey, do you remember uh, Yolanda Carraway? And I went, Hmm, he was the woman you met. I said, Oh, yeah, 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 her, yes. Well, again, she was the chief of staff to Reverend Jackson. I came back and interviewed with she and a woman by the name of Emma Chappelle, who was the national treasurer for the Rainbow Coalition for Reverend Jackson's presidential run. Mm-hmm. And they asked if I had an interest in traveling with Reverend Jackson as his body person. And I went, yeah, sure. So for three and a half years, I traveled with Jesse Jackson uh, following the 84 campaign, going into the 88 and ending of the 88 campaign. So that's how I really got involved, even more so in politics. And then from that, I had an opportunity to work with Ron Brown uh, when he was DNC chair. Alexis Herman, uh, she was the CEO of the Democratic National Convention in 1992. So I just, you know, realized, hey, this is what I wanted to do. Um, and then from that little stint, I was very fortunate to work on the Clinton campaign in 92. And it was funny because I was on the city council in D.C. Uh, for Council Member Linda Kropp. I was her director of constituent services okay. and that enabled me to learn everything about the city of Washington. Right. I get a call from governor Clinton's office and I say, Hey, would you like to travel with Bill Clinton? And I went, yeah, okay, sure. One thing leads to another, <laughs> the man wins, he becomes president. And um, I was fortunate enough to be asked to be the assistant to the White House Chief of Staff, Mac McClarty, and the administration, and that's how I started working in the White House.
0: Yeah, that's that's an amazing ascent in, into into the, really the heart of heart of the U.S. government and, and politics in the White House. Did at that point, were there opportunities for you to play the to play golf to see? I mean, golf always plays such a huge role in business. Does it? similarly play a, a big role in politics and government work?
1: A huge role, a huge role. I mean, president Clinton is an avid golfer right. and though I never got a chance to play with him, at least I haven't played with him yet. Yeah. I did get a chance to watch him go out to Andrews and play. And it also enabled me or it allowed me to start playing more with uh, friends and also local elected officials when I would travel the country. But I'll tell you, it was so interesting because even then, I never thought I would be doing what I'm doing now. Right. I mean, I began to understand the power of the game. I began to appreciate that the golf course is the green boardroom. I mean, it's where your business relationships are created and those decisions are made. So I was able to get a lot of work done on the course as well as in the office.
0: Yeah, and that's, uh, that, that's I know, is an important lesson for those just coming up in the game. And so a lot of the folks that you might be working with now uh, in your current endeav- endeavors, and it's a good transition. How did you make that transition? How did that happen for you to go from uh, your work in politics and, and government work to, to what you're doing now with Golf My Future My Game?
1: Well, it was 2008 and um, I was working for then former Governor Mark Warner out of Virginia. He was going to run for president and I came on the Forward Together PAC to be his Southern political director and then his director of African-American outreach for the presidential campaign. Well, October of 2007... He decided he wasn't going to run. He just said, you know what? I, I don't want to do this. And I looked at him and I said, okay, <laughs> wow. But he says, let me know what I can do to help you because I'm sure this decision has impacted your life. And I went, well, it has, but thank- and thank you. And I would go and I'm talking to one of my uh, colleagues. Her name was Mame Riley who has since passed, bless her memory and her heart. But she said, Craig, you like golf, don't you? And I went, yeah, ma'am, I do enjoy it. And she goes, well, why don't you have Mark call Tim? And I looked at ma'am and I said, ma'am, Mark who? Tim who? What apostles (laughs) are you talking about? And she goes, Mark Warner can call Tim Fincham. And I went, who's Tim (laughs) Fincham? And she goes, he's the PGA tour commissioner. And I go, Oh, they know each other. She goes, yes. So I put together a concept and I introduced it to former governor Warner. Now it's us Senator Warner. And he said, sure. I'll make the call for you. So he called commissioner Fincham and our meeting was arranged I thought, Scott, that it was going to be a 40-minute meeting. I flew down to Ponte Vedra to the headquarters, and 40 minutes ended up being five hours. Wow! It was with the commissioner. It was with Ty Voltaugh, Charlie Zink. I mean, the whole crew, you know, Joe Lewis Barrow, the whole executive crew, and it was a good meeting. I mean, I shared with them, My thoughts, my goals. And he goes, Okay, we'll talk further about it. Well, if you remember, 2008 was also when the economy tanked. Right. And so they weren't as concerned about diversity as they were just keeping their pants up on the two of them. That's right. (laughs) But I tapped at it. You know, I would just reach out every now and then and say, Hey, I'm still interested in doing my diversity initiative, which I spoke about. And then in 2014, I received a phone call from Joe Lewis Barrow and Joe said, Hey Craig, uh, your, your initiative, are you still interested in, that, in doing that? I said, I've, of course I am. And he goes, well, you know what? I have a colleague I want to introduce you to, um, Steve Mona, and I'd like for you to present it to him. And I thanked him. I flew back down to Ponte Vedra to the World Golf Foundation and spent an afternoon uh, with Joe and Steve And Renee Redwood, who is one of my friends and colleagues. And we just laid everything out to him, Scott. And again, Steve looked at me and said, Craig, I like what you're doing um, or what you want to do. He goes, I like what you want to do. We don't have a check for you, but I have an opportunity for you. And I said, Steve, that's all I'm asking for. I'm asking for an opportunity because years from now, I'm sure the checks will start coming in after I've proven myself right, right, and sure enough, they're now slowly starting to come in. But, you know, I have to tell you, we were a recipient of both phase one and phase two for the grassroots grants program. So, you know, my, my words to Steve came to fruition.
0: That's, that's, that's a great, that's a great story. And, um, We're going to take a really quick break, and it'll be a good transition. We'll go right into golf, my future, my game, let you kind of describe what that is, and we'll do that uh, when we come back right after this. We'll get back to this episode in a moment, but right now, a word from Bear, the proud sponsor of the GCSAA podcast. Bear is pleased to support golf course superintendents as they strive to maintain healthy, beautiful, playable turf – And the company is dedicated to providing new, innovative solutions that maximize turf quality along with technical expertise to help superintendents maintain their edge against hard-to-control turf diseases and damaging insects. If you're looking to up your insect management game, now's the time to do it with Tetrino, a game-changing insecticide that provides broad-spectrum control of white grubs, annual bluegrass weevil, and other devastating turf insects, all in a single, complete solution that does the job of several insecticides. The affordable innovation of Tetrino makes it the perfect fit for any schedule, agronomic program, and budget. By making your first application of Tetrino in the spring, you'll be on track for beautiful, healthy turf all season long. For ordering details and to learn more, head to the web and visit es.bear.us slash Tetrino. Always read and follow label instructions and remember that not all products are registered for use in all states. Our thanks once again to Bear for their ongoing support of the GCSA podcast. And now, back to this episode. We're back with... uh Craig Kirby, the founder, CEO, president, chief bottle washer, you wear many hats with uh, uh, Golf My Future, My Game, and we were, we were talking about its origins and, and how, how it got started. Um, so, Craig, I, I guess I'd ask you for maybe the uninitiated, you know, tell us what the program is, um, what, what the ultimate goals are, and kind of where you are in the journey uh, of this effort.
1: Certainly. So golf, my future, my game, we work with underrepresented communities. And as you mentioned earlier, we bring them into the business and sport of golf. I mean, our foundation is a platform where we provide underrepresented children with a passport to the world of golf, me, to the world of business via the sport of golf. We do the following. We peak an interest, in the game of golf with this with these communities. We create a connection to the game through their lens, not the lens of someone who's played golf their entire life and in particular at a country club. And then we also highlight the 84, $85 billion a year industry that golf is. I mean, for us, it's important that the game of golf is in the toolkit of our students, of our youth So that, and they're comfortable With that toolkit So that when they're invited To play a the golf They're comfortable and they go do it And so now they're out on that boardroom And the rest is on them You know, for me Scott It's very important that We provide our youth With options So that they can make choices That's what this right. is all about all about. And that's what this game does.
0: Have you, uh, where, where were you sit today? Uh, What success stories can you share? Have you seen certain individuals who have taken advantage of the opportunity and the options that you guys are providing to kind of take that next step in their
1: lives? I have, um, you know, first off, let me share with you, we're in five markets. So we're here in Washington, D.C., uh, in the metropolitan area, we are in Detroit, Michigan, Dayton, Ohio, Atlanta, Georgia, and in New Orleans, Louisiana. To answer your question, yes. I mean, first off, all of our kids, we supply them with golf clubs, balls, bags, etc., golf apparel. And to watch the pride and the step in their life when they get this is just exciting. Right. But I've had kids who have been in our program for the past five years now potentially on that end where they can receive a college scholarship. So working with HBCU, historically black colleges and university golf coaches, as well as coaches throughout the country, we're able to start feeding them our kids for potential golf scholarships. That's great. We also um, this past week um, was a busy week for me. I was in Dayton, Ohio on Tuesday, Detroit, Michigan Wednesday, and then Thursday and Friday we took a group of kids, a group of students, excuse me, from SUNO Southern University, New Orleans, mm-hmm. to the Zurich Classic. Oh yeah! And I have to commend and applaud uh, the PGA of America Career Services Scott Kemick, for giving us this opportunity and Jim Clark over at the PGA tour because these students, Scott had a chance to get a behind the scenes tour of a PGA tournament. I mean, they had a chance to meet with the director of ticketing. They had a chance to meet with the director of merchandising. They had a chance to meet with the director of media wow. with um, let's see who else, the corporate hospitality director. And then they got to finish up with Donnie, Wallace, uh, with sports, I mean, with, um, sports links, excuse me. So the whole data analytics part. Yeah. And while we were in that last, um, segment, I had one of our students ask Donnie the question about them setting up their cameras on the golf course to capture all this money and how they worked in tandem with the golf course superintendents. Right. Why this is so important, Ron Wright, and I have to commend Ron and thank him, but Ron came uh, about three weeks ago and spoke to our students about golf course superintendents, how he got involved, what they do, why they do what they do, et cetera. And from that conversation, again, it piqued the interest and this young man doing more research. And so when we're at this tour event, at this tournament event, and he sees shot links, and he starting to figure about, I mean, remember what Ron was talking about? Uh-huh. He put the two together and was like, again, how, are, how is this coordinated so that, boom. And I just looked and I went, it's working, Yeah. all right? I mean, how cool him, His name is Jeffrey. How cool for Jeffrey to ask that question. And, you know, again, it goes back to, yeah, golf is my game and it can make my future.
0: Yeah, a- absolutely. And that's I'm glad you mentioned Ron. Ron's the uh, GCSA field staff representative uh, down in the uh, southeast. And so uh, does a wonderful job. And it's great to hear that uh, he had a he had a role in that. Um, what what does long-term success look like for this effort? Is it in more markets? I'm assuming it's more students involved, more folks who, in essence, graduate the the, the program and find careers in, in the game. Is that a, a safe assumption?
1: It is. It's a great assumption. And it's also being able to the retention aspect is very important. Right. Um, and I say retention because, again, You know, another of the golf course superintendents is my, uh, he he is just not my dear friend now, Mark Jordan, your former, your immediate past president for the foundation, for the association, excuse me. Uh, Mark and I met probably five years ago, four years ago, I'm sorry. And we just opened up a conversation. Well, from that conversation last week, we were, I mean, excuse me, last year, I apologize, we were able to have a careers in golf internship at Westfield country club.
0: That's great. That,
1: you know, Mark and I fought for, and we're now going into year two of that going into year two. We went from four students to now six students. And so growing it is again, one of our goals Growing our markets, yes, Scott, is what we want to be able to do. And again, five markets in twenty twenty two, and twenty twenty three. I'd like to have ten markets. You know, in in the next ten years, hey, I'd like to be in a hundred markets.
0: Sure. Yeah, that, that's great. And and uh, it's I'm glad that you mentioned uh, the the partnership with with Mark. I know that um, he's passionate about this this topic as well um uh was president when g c s a started the diversity equity and inclusion advisory council as well that we'll we'll talk about in a bit here um but i uh, uh yeah I, those are all those are all amazing goals and it sounds like you you've really got a a program in place the the you know the bones of a of a really solid program to introduce people who might not normally get a chance to see and understand the game of golf and just uh, give them kind of a window into into the uh, into the what what the game is and all aspects of it. And right now, I, as you're well aware, there is a, a labor crunch in everything in every part of our society right now, and it's certainly trickled down in, into the game of golf. And I think if you, the more people that you can introduce to the game and show them what Jeffrey learned that hey, there is a whole another world, a whole another side of the game. If maybe you're not a the next Tiger Woods, but you could be the next Ron Wright or the next Mark Jordan or the next superintendent at a PGA tour event. And I think that's, 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 that's as important as anything as really anything you probably can do with this program.
1: It, it really is Scott. I mean, uh, very different of mine, Rob Dorsch, who's the superintendent up at Danbury, excuse me, at Richter park in Danbury, Connecticut. He called, we talk at least once a week and he shared with me, he lost his second attendant um, to another golf course. He then became the first attendant. But his salary, ninety thousand dollars, in his housing is paid for. Wow! You know, when you sit back and you understand that, and then you, I begin to share that with kids in our community-based golf work I mean, in our community organizations, that's that's like a wake-up call. It's like, wait a minute, I can get a job doing this and I can get that, yes, you can. And that's what this is all about. I mean, we're really fortunate to have the support of the industry, uh, i.e. the USGA, the PGA of America, GCSAA. And they're, they're giving us the opportunity to share their message, to share what they have available. Because, I mean, let's face it, you can't teach what you don't know, and you can't lead where you don't go. And so Absolutely. my years of politics and being in the hood, being on the streets gives me a credibility factor that I can go back to them with a win-win situation, with a win-win alternative.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. And I, um Couple more things for you here, Craig, and I do appreciate you taking so much time uh, for us today. First off, let's uh, just take a, a brief second to talk about uh, GCSA's uh, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Advisory Council, which you sit on. Um, I believe it's one year into that; might be two years in into that effort. I know you guys uh, spent some time at headquarters, not in the too distant uh, future. So maybe tell folks about, you know, what, from your perspective, the goals of that group. Um, where you'd like to see progress being made, and just kind of a progress report of of uh, what we've been able to do in the uh, the early days of that group.
1: Well, sure. So we're going into year two, and you know I've got to recognize Rhett Evans because it's his leadership that made this happen. You know, th- everybody comes to a place from somewhere, Scott. And the leadership at GCSA recognizes that. And they also have heard our community members, our board members to include Asanina. I call her AZ.
0: Because
1: uh-huh. Asanina is her name. I may be mispronouncing yeah. that, so I'm sorry. That's right. AZ. Well, that's why you call her AZ. That's right, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, we've got Jan Beljan, Jim Beatty, uh, Desiree Walker, um, others on there. Others are also on there. I just can't remember their names right now. But I mean, you know, we all realize that golf is more than a game. Golf really is a lifetime experience with unparalleled possibilities. And so, this DEI advisory committee allows these unparalleled possibilities to be heard and understood. And again it's allowing for a win-win situation. You know, you've got a workforce diversity issue. Well, being able to touch folks who've never been touched kind of mitigates that workforce diversity issue.
0: Right. Uh, I want to touch a little bit, we we mentioned it earlier, the National Links Trust um, and your role on the board there. um, And uh, a little progress report on uh, on the work, I, are, are they focusing on, it's Bo Welling, I know, is the uh, the golf course architect that's been brought in to, to lead that restoration effort. Um, uh, what's, uh, where, where are you along the, along that path? Uh, and I think work is focused on Langston uh, to start, is that correct?
1: It is, yes. So, you know, working with Will Smith and Michael McCartan, um, the co-founders of the National Links Trust, has been an amazing experience. Uh, We have Sinclair Eady, who is our executive director, who's making sure that the growth and renovation of our courses is in tandem with the cultural integrity of these courses. And so that's very important to me because again, we're looking at a win-win for everyone. Um, There have been some minor improvements made at all three courses. I, I was just over at Langston, About two weeks ago, as a matter of fact, they had the uh, Lee Elder Classic golf tournament, of which my team shot a 62. (laughs) So I got some hardware. That's right. But, you know, you've now got a course that we can actually see the Anacostia River. We can see Kingman River. You couldn't see that two years ago. So these little changes. Yeah are happening, and there's now a new cart path that's at Langston. The greens are in phenomenal shape. Their fairways are coming together, and they're looking really good. So I have to, again, commend the supers at these three courses, and in particular at Langston. I mean, people are seeing things that they never knew existed.
0: Yeah, that's the amazing part of, of projects such as that one, where you where you can open up vistas, you can maybe remove trees that weren't supposed to be there. Just to, And it, it starts to unveil maybe the, the original architect's design intent a little bit more. It makes the course more maintainable, um, makes for a better playing surface for everyone. And um, boy, having those three, all, all three of those courses are public access, correct? they are yeah. public access ha, boy having that in that in that market having those kind of having you know refurbished fresh layouts with even if it's incremental improvement um, uh, it's got to be huge for 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 the the, the folks that, that call DC home
1: it is it really is and you know there's the whole sustainability component of the renovation of these courses i mean there's a gentleman andrew Sunyog, who every day wakes up thinking about okay Renovations are coming in now. How do we sustain this? Who are the winners in the sustainability? Right. So it's a whole lot more than just a renovation. Again, it's the cultural integrity of that renovation, sustainability of that renovation. At the end of the day, you've got people, who, you've got patrons who are happy to be out there and they're now truly enjoying yeah. the
0: experience. Yeah, I imagine there are patrons who've played out there for for decades and are getting a just what they're what they're getting to see now. I, I wonder how they're they've got to just be thrilled with with the, the direction of everything that's taking place.
1: I'll just say this: you hear a whole lot of wows out there now.
0: <laughs> that's great. That is great to hear. Well, Craig Kirby, I'm gonna I'm going finish things up with some quick hitters here. I was gonna throw the holy moly question in here to catch you off guard. Uh, Nate Scott, our director of human resources here at GCSAA. Who is also uh, heavily involved in um, in some of our diversity activities? Uh, made sure that I I, uh, I mentioned that to you. But um,
1: start off. Get Nate. Uh, Nate's my buddy. That's uh, my buddy right there. I will. I will. Uh,
0: I will tell him that I dropped that that uh, knowledge on you when we were talking. Uh, favorite golf course you've ever played and why?
1: Augusta National because it's Augusta National.
0: Look at you, yeah that 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 would be an easy one if you if you've had the opportunity. Unfortunately, I've never had the opportunity. So uh, Walker Cart. Walk. Yeah, that's that's what I like to hear. Uh, who's your favorite professional golfer?
1: Bubba Watson because we share the same birthday.
0: <laughs> How about that? That's nice. That's nice. Yep. And that's not not a bad one to do. And 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 one a little more thoughtful here. What what what, what do you hope the game of golf looks like? 10 or 15 years down the line where efforts like these, uh, the advisory council here at GCSA, the work at PGA of America, the work you do with your organization, what do you hope golf looks like 10 or 15 years down the line?
1: You know, I'd love to see golf representative of what America is, which means you're going to have different faces when you look at tournaments. You know, again, the tradition is very strong, But that tradition also needs to be enhanced so that everybody can win from it. So just that's what I'd like to see. And, you know, I often tell people, I think I know our job has been done when I go to a golf tournament and I hear somebody say, hmm, are those ribs ready to be sold? (laughs) Well, Craig, you uh,
0: obviously are doing a lot Excuse me, um, you're doing a lot with your foundation to, to achieve those goals. And uh, very, very appreciative of your time today joining us. Um, it's great to see you again. And um, uh, we'll stay in touch and we'll follow up down the line hopefully have a great story to tell.
1: We will, Scott, thank you so much for thinking enough just to ask me to be on.
0: You are, you are certainly welcome. Craig Kirby, everybody. Well, that's a wrap on another episode of the GCSA podcast. My thanks once again Craig Kirby for taking the time to join us today to talk about diversity in the game of golf and his grassroots grow the game initiative called golf my future my game you can learn more about that effort by checking out their website at www.golfmyfuturemygame.org we have several other great podcasts in the works that will be hitting this feed over the course of the next several weeks but until then I want to acknowledge the podcast editor and engineer Evan Bissell, everyone at Bear for their ongoing support of the podcast, the nine members of the GCSAA Board of Directors, all my coworkers and colleagues at GCSAA headquarters in Lawrence, Kansas, and of course, a hearty thank thank you to you for subscribing, downloading, and listening. Until we meet again, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll catch up again down the road on the next episode of the GCSAA podcast.